And welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast. And we are going to um, our Rugby Europe Championship um, uh, podcast mini series with our friend from Portugal, Francisco Isaac, um, someone that you definitely need to follow if you want to uh, look up at what's happening in the R- in the REC and uh, who's playing well. And obviously, if you like Portugal and Portuguese rugby, then he's the man to follow. Uh, Francisco is going to join us just to review the second round of the Rugby Euro Championship. Uh, a little less crazy than the first. Some yeah you know, results that are a lot more um, according to the form book. Uh, but yeah, we're looking forward to to going through it with Francisco. Um, I think let's sort of jump straight into it, Francisco, with um, the first game of the weekend, the Georgia versus um, Netherlands game. Um, Georgia winning 31 points to 10, um, sort of coming back from a little bit of a, a, a so-so performance against the Netherlands. The likes of Gorgadze were available because there was no top 14. Um, so yeah, how did you see this game? Is there some improvements that are happening? I know the first half, they didn't really do much, and they sort of they went uh, they went a bit um, crazy in the second half and and scored a lot of points. Yeah, hello everyone. Thank you for having me here again, Tal and Sean. Um, yeah, Georgia first half in the first twenty minutes, the, the Dutch did quite well and were even in the lead by three points. But then when Sharikadze started to well have a footing in the game and Gorgadze and Jalagonia who were who started for for the Lelos uh, start carrying the ball with that power that everyone knows them from the top 14 it was over for Netherlands nothing against them but when Georgia shifts to a higher gear be the third of fourth they just starting to run run crazy and scoring tries and I think the problem for Georgia and there was a problem for me it's the um, sometimes they misfire some uh, some good attacking uh, runs for example they had free moles that never transformed into points when they fell into the the try area someone was or um, below, or the ref couldn't see the ball, so it was a, a drop kick from, from the try uh, line. And that's the biggest takeaway or biggest problem for Georgia, but when they, well, when they want, they can score any try. There were glimpses of that Georgia from 2022 that uh, dominated, well, not only the wreck, but uh, one, defeated Italy and Wales. And with a team that still has a lot of newcomers, like uh, Irakli Abtsauri, Akaladze, Karkadze, which between them they have like 14, 14 caps for Georgia, it was good to see. They're missing some quite of the best players in the pack, but even so, they show that they're, well, they're still the bosses in the Men's Rugby Europe Championship. Charlie, you're on mute, mate. Of course I am. Um, there it is. <laughs> I'm rusty on Zoom. But yeah, I think also it's going to be interesting to see like how um, Cockrell does manage. I mean, that's the one disadvantage that Cockrell has with not being in sort of this um, coaching a team like Georgia is now sort of the in and out of players, how to deal with that while trying to implement your game plan. That's going to be, I think, a big challenge for him. And for Netherlands on their side, um, did they play as is expected? Is this a bit of improvement from last week? How do you think they did? Well, there was a, a bit of improvement. I cannot say that there isn't any improvement in mm-hmm. the team. 
and uh, in the in the first twenty minutes they were good enough to stop some of well of the how can I say the trampling that you want to apply to the to, mm-hmm. to the game. But uh, um, I was going to say, but the problem with the but with here in the Netherlands is when they start conceding too many penalties, so in in discipline, uh, they just go back and start to even go further back until they concede Mm. a try. And that was the problem in the last 10, 15 minutes with with Georgia. When you have a team like the Lelos or or the Lobos from 2023 to 2022, that, you know, smell blood i think the dutch are not there still to stop the team from those type of teams to just eviscerate them and that was the biggest problem for them because they're they tackle good the defense uh has a good display they are quick enough to get back on their feet and resupply the line they're good in in all of these departments Mm -hmm. but indiscipline and well, their pack is still not there. Even with Robbie Kutsi, who played for the Lions, and well, when it was that almost golden dynasty for the Lions mm-hmm. in yeah. Super Arabia, Robbie Kutsi, I think he was the third hooker for the Lions at the time, mm-hmm. behind uh, he, Ma- Max. And he did play. He was first stroke second choice for a while, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and before was... Max came onto the scene. Yeah, and. Uh, so he's now playing for the Netherlands, and it's incredibly important. Like a guy like him brought so not only experience but excellence to the to the front row because he knows how to work well um, and to make the team more cohesive. The problem is that he's not that quick anymore as a player, and so other guys in the team have to step up. But uh, Netherlands is getting there. I can't say they are. They will go to the next World Cup. We're going to be a menace for Romania, Georgia, Portugal, Spain. But let's see what happens. Because when they have all their best units, and like Coetzee or Linden, who's, who, who, who was playing for Juan, they couldn't come in. They are a good a good side. They're improving, but still there are some, some areas of the game that they haven't evolved as Lynn Jones wanted. Yeah. Okay, I think let's go to the next match, which is um, Romania beating Belgium. So Belgium coming a little bit back to earth after their big win against um, Georgia the last week, but still, it seems like from all reports, played quite well against Romania and were competitive. Uh, but Romania, Romania winning um, that game at um, 33-18. Um, yeah, how, Francisco, do you see it in the same way? Um, Belgium was... Just, even though they were beaten um, by you know by fifteen points, still played really well against a uh, obviously also a, a pretty good Romanian team. Yeah, let I, I don't want to correct you, but let me just say something to yeah. the people at home please, that are not. Please do correct me. <laughs> They're missing uh, before before the game. They were already missing twenty players, uh, players mm. that could be uh, could fill, be starters and as replacements. After the game, they lost even uh, more f- free players. Um, Dragosher, ha- the game had to be stopped because he had a very bad concussion to the point he got, he got to, to the, he went to the hospital. Uh, Mihai Grauer uh, broke his foot, if I'm not wrong. 
and another player that I'm forgetting who was it also got injured. And before the match, Gabriel Pop also got injured. So mm. Romania, even with a several uh, depleted team, was able to overcome a good Belgium side because they were on the lead uh, when it still uh, in the first half of uh, the first half, and. After that, you could see that Romania started to excel in every area. Like, for example, I have here the stats in the lineout. They didn't miss one throw, for mm. example. They won three of the Belgian lineouts in the scrum. They won all of their scrums and forced two penalties in the Belgian side. So even we're not having some of the biggest stars like Mario Simonescu, Kristin Kirika, um, uh, it was Papapoya who got injured. Uh, Jason Tomani, uh, Hinkley Valvasa, etc. Uh, Taylor Gontignac, they still excelled. And in the final 15 minutes, you don't, if you don't have time to watch the full game, just watch the final 15 because Romania was playing with 13 players against Belgium. And the Belgians scored a try. But after that, it was all Romania. It's incredible what David Gerard is basically do, is doing with his side. And I fear for the other nations, not Georgia, but for Portugal and Spain and Netherlands, when Romania has their full roster available to play. Might not be this season, but in 2025, they will have their best side. That's um, that's incredible. Um, I didn't realize they were missing so many players, but that is, that is wild. Um, obviously, Belgium playing great rugby and kind of in the mix on a high from last week and up against up against Romania, who have lost so many players, you would assume, I mean, I would have looked at that and thought Belgium were going to sneak another one, but that's uh, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's for me, it's uh, one of the big, uh, one of the big, it, it's, it isn't spectacular Romania's type of game. It isn't. Uh, you don't have the same flair as Portugal or Georgia or Spain now, because Spain, we'll talk about it later on, but they are ruthless, you know. That physicality that we didn't see uh, in the World Cup is starting to rekindle uh, in this men's rugby championship this season, and that might be the what it takes them to the next World Cup. I don't know how how it will end because we don't know how the full potential of a team go, will go. Uh, Portugal now is like. A bit, uh, how you say it, uh, it's not, it's like 50%, but maybe next season with the head coach that knows the players, know how to build a steady or a very good game plan, Portugal might go to 100%. But for now, I think Romania is a promising side, even with a lot of injuries. Okay, that's, yeah, that's very interesting just to see like the, the growth of those two nations. And yeah, I think. It's so cool to see like Belgium also putting things together even um through their challenges as well. But yeah, Romania, yeah, we know the story obviously from the World Cup and the last year or two and the Robinson um uh leaving the job as well, um, the year before the World Cup and <laughs> the mystery behind that. So yeah, it's it's interesting. It's good to see that they're now putting the the performances together. Um, I think this is sort of the main course of the dessert for you, Francisco, is to talk about Portugal's um, 54-7 win against Poland. So, yeah, things are sort of more back or back to what they were, um, you would believe. I, I don't know, would, is, it, is it fair to say Poland is probably at the bottom of the teams right now? 
Poland, yeah, if you could, it's Poland and Germany both mm -hmm. because none of none of them scored uh, a, 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 a seven point. Uh, you won't understand me. A bonus point. Yeah. So it, they are currently with zero. Of course, if you see the the points scored and points conceded, Poland is below Germany. But that's mm -hmm. for now. It doesn't matter because even if they qualify in fourth, they're going to play against. Well, it's going to be Netherlands. What they need is Belgium to do well to not go to the top four uh, semifinals. If Belgium lands a place in the top four, Poland might be already relegated. Mm. And um, yes, I have a I have a quick one. Sorry, Tala. I the only thing I want really want to talk about is there were two red cards in the forty fourth minute. Um, can you can you break <laughs> that down for us? Um, totally want to know about this. Well, it was very strange because I was uh, commenting the game on the on the broadcast by, mm -hmm. for Rabi Europe, and well, Ugo Kamash scored his third try, uh, and while Angus uh, Trode was saying, "Oh, great try, well, great run." And we were commenting about it. Uh, suddenly, we could see that, well, Kamash scored. And 10 seconds after it, he started running to somewhere. And the camera shifted. And there was a big kerfuffle. I, 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 I don't understand what happened. I think it was after the mole. So the, 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 the try is a great one because it was a mole. All, uh, uh, both teams were waiting just to see where the forwards wanted to take it. And then... From nothing, Ukamash played in quickly and they scored a try. I think there were some punches. Uh, it was it got a bit violent there. Uh, it got <laughs> for, for who was watching uh, outside. It was well fun and so on. But I, I think the match officials did well because they didn't give a single uh, or a chance for anyone to to rebut. Oh, no, it wasn't me. David Wallace did that what most players do that me me it wasn't me <laughs> my, 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 might not have been him but well it's without a tmo because the review europe uh, competitions don't have tmo and mm. play, uh, and i don't want to talk about it because it's more the responsibility for from uh, we need sponsors to have it yeah. because it's something that's very costly and expensive but uh, if we if, without tmo I think the referee signaled those two players, but I think against Belgium, for example, when you don't know who was it, it's we could go the old school style. You pick the captains and you get the yellow card or red card because, well, they are the leaders of mm -hmm. either camp and they should, they are going to be the role models. But it was, I think, from what I have heard from some players, uh, it got nasty and hot. In ten seconds, and after it, because uh, somebody started to uh, to grab, all went down and calm. But they didn't they didn't expect the red cards. Interesting. <laughs> referee and team are uh, making a big statement there. <laughs> I mean, referee and the and the linesman. And, I, and I think I, I think the linesman caught uh, David Wall is doing something, mm. and because it was like this, uh, David Banaszek, uh, that uh, the Polish uh, number ten did something and Wallace uh, reposted and, and and did also something that was as bad so they had no choice by <laughs> by giving not a, a red card for each for each of them go. yeah I, then just the other big significant thing from this match as you mentioned um 
Uga Marshall with um, a hat trick uh, of tries in, in in this game. Obviously, Francisco Samuel Marks is. I mean, he can't play rugby forever. We're not sure yet. Uh, he <laughs> might be like Ron Pino in South Retires. Africa. He, no. he might play until he's fifty. But uh, ca- yes, yeah. Is there more information you can give us on Kamasho? Like, yeah, what kind of player is he? Okay, Ugo Kamasho is a spoir. Uh, he already played three games for uh, Bayonne top team, and mm. uh, not this season, the last one. And he is. He reminds me of of Samuel Marks, not in the kicking area of the game, but the eccentricity, you know, the energy, because he's always quick, 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 and never stops. He's uh, always looking to create something different. And when Samuel Marks starts for, for play, fortunately, he still is this way, but he's older now, so he, he doesn't have that same speed. It was like that. Samuel Marks came to play for Portugal, and the problem was the Portuguese team couldn't deal with his speed and pace. Because mm. it was unreal, and some Mark had an amazing career for top fourteen and then Pradeda. Um and Ugu Kamasho, I think, if he grows as a player, can go with, in the same path. The problem now is if is if he can get uh, to the t- next level, which is to play well more games in the uh, top Qatar or top fourteen, whatever you call, it, call mm. or if he should exit to go to the Pradeda and get senior minutes because against Poland he can do this against Belgium his second half was quite good for me and let's see now against Romania because that's the big game and now we're going to see if he has what it takes to face uh, a stronger side of course my opinion is he won't do as well as he did against Romania but what you can see some players that have you know piece those pieces of skill they say okay, this guy is going to go big or that guy has stagnated and won't go to the next level. I'll give you an example. Pedro Lucas, the scrum mm-hmm. half that well, was the shadow of Samuel March for the last three seasons. He, when he was 18, 19 years old or 20, he was, I reckon him to be the next great halfback for Portugal. Problem is, he stayed in Portugal and didn't grow as a player. And now mm-hmm. he, for me, he completely stagnated. He is very good passing the ball, etc. But he get, his game comprehension is not up there to play a game against Romania or a, a high pressure game against Belgium, and that was I know he got injured early in the game, like in the first half. But you can see that something is missing. You Ukamash has a lot more time, and as he is his in France, they give you the 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 sufficient input to make it big. Then depends on depends on uh, well. It's all to him to 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 get to the top level, or to become just a national national player. And then it's up to the players. Mm-hmm. I just also see that um, Lucas played at, uh, on the wing this weekend. Is that uh, correct? Lucas, yeah, Lucas Martin, which is Nicolas Martin, uh, brother, younger brother. Ah, okay. That's an oh, okay. That's really cool. Um, yeah, he's is he? Yeah, he's not with a. Is is he with a French club as well? Uh, Lucas, yes, playing in Blagnac in the National. So yeah, the, as you know, the f- French third uh, third division. Yeah. Uh, last season he scored seven tries, which was quite good. Uh, Ten games, seven tries. But this season he he played a little. I wasn't expecting that game from him uh, mm. against Paul. I was not expecting. He was like. 
he is I, I think he can be the type of player that even in having two caps or three caps, he still will do well because he feels so at ease and comfortable getting inside of the team that he will do well. And I guess Poland, he was one of the biggest surprise. And I it's going to be hard for him. Uh let's not lie because there's Torti, Menel Cardoso Pinto, Marta, yeah. uh uh Shimon Bento. Uh, and he'll come in sixth, but doing this type of game and Vincent Pete, let's not forget, doing this type of exhibitions for Portugal might get him in the game sheet more often. Mm. And then, just in general, um, Francisco, is it just Portugal just played a lot better than they did last week against Belgium, or is it they faced a Polish team that's maybe a little bit on the weaker side? Well, like that meme, why not both? Fantastic. I think it was a I, bit of... Yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, you know, you're a really good rugby analysis when you can say, no, it's actually a bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of both. I think Poland is the first... They, they, I said this already five or six times in the last five days, but the uh, problem for Poland was those two early Portuguese tries in the first mm. five minutes. It broke them... Yeah, and and when I saw them scoring their first try and just like being uh, uh, behind by seven points, I thought, okay, this game might be more competitive than everyone thought. But then, well, indiscipline, uh, their their forward pack didn't do well. I explained that in the broadcasting because a team like Poland that doesn't have a backline that can you know shift and play quickly and and put and give enough problems to Portugal so the Portuguese side should always kick the ball or kick more the ball mm. um, needs a fourth pack to be dominant or at least contest and you could see that they didn't they weren't able to do it they lost a lot of scrums a lot of lineouts a lot of moles all the scrums uh, penalties day one was because of the Portuguese side that tried to you know get a step ahead before the ball being fed to the scrum and it was not because of, well, an advantage that the Polish had in the pack. And that, I think, was the main problem. But at the same time, Portugal, with Pitincourt in the in the center pairing with Tomás Appleton, made things easier. As well, Manuel Curtis-Pint had more space to play. The problem for Portugal against Belgium was playing in Mons. It is a more closed pitch. The fans are more uh, more close to you. Mm-hmm. It, I think I don't know. I, I'm not going to say I know the width and... Uh, and the, the 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 pitch size, but it seems for me that Stan Nacional is a bit bigger, and a bit you know uh, not long, uh, well wider, uh, wider. Sorry, and that helps a team like Portugal because they can start doing slick passes and so on and, and, and play quickly. And against Belgium, that didn't happen. And the, for this match, you could see the game plan actually clicked. Mm. Team wanted to play more as a as a as a collective and not as only individual indiv- indiv- individual players. The support was also there when the run made a clean break, and with against Belgium that did happen. If you go to if you can watch both games or first half against Belgium or the or do this watch first Portuguese Portugal's first half against Poland and second half against Belgium, and you can see the main problem is when Marto Sorti do a clean break or almost a clean break. There's no one next to them yeah. to deploy the ball, and they continue to play quickly like they did in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. There's 
someone next to them, but not coming at full speed. Just you know, waiting for the ball to get it and just get, having a crash carry, like I uh, call it, because it's a, it will they're just going to bounce on someone who's next to them and do won't do any damage to the other side. And I think that's what the main problem in Belgium. It got better against Poland, but now against Romania, I don't know what what will happen because it's. Romania is the first team on the pack, uh, mm. on the high ball. And for Portugal to win in Bucharest, which they haven't done since 2009, it's going to take everything from them. Yeah. Oof. It's a big game to look forward to. Um, we yeah, we have that actually next weekend. And yeah, I'm very <laughs> interested to see how, how that game goes. Um, I think it seems like both teams are meeting each other at like the the, the, the same level, which is also going to make it really competitive. Um. Let's finally go to the the Spain Germany game, final game mm-hmm. um, of the weekend, and uh, Spain winning twenty seven points to five, and probably the almost the best clip um, on social media for rugby this weekend is the fans flooding um, the Stadio Universidad Complutense um, to hopefully I've got that pronunciation right um, in celebration of um, Spain's victory as well. So yeah, you can just see. Yeah, like that's obviously it's just something that everyone would love to see. Um, and you everyone wants to be in the position of celebrating their team winning. Um, yeah, Francisco, just on at least on the field, um, it seemed like just Spain had a had good control over the game throughout throughout the time. They consistently scored points and and built up a lead against a Germany team that's yeah, proving to be quite competitive, even um after you know, giving Georgia a good um, good game last week. Yeah, definitely. Let's start with the Safas and then we go to the game because yeah. let, let's <laughs> change the combination. Uh, there were two South Africans that uh, I think there were, um, three more, but the two that did really, really well. On the Spanish side, JW Bell scored the try and was amazing as a fullback. Uh, Bell had some problems in the last four years with injuries, coming back, losing form, gaining form, getting injured again. But now he seems he's on, on a good momentum and a good uh, and riding a good wave and he was perfect for Spain that outside back uh, with him as a fullback Martiniano Kian in one wing and Alberto Carmona in the other worked really well and I think you could see that so that experience that a, a South African fullback can bring to a game can work like golden well for for Spain because it's not only the kicking it's the knowledge how to well he come back he comes back I go up we need to shift here we know we go now for for kicking chase now it's wait etc and Bell was perfect on the German side we had another Safa one of the guys that well he's a friend of mine and I love uh, and I like him a lot Sebastian Ferreira who plays for Nottingham and Sebastian was you know I think he told he told me in an interview for Talking Review it might be his last season. Playing as a German uh, international, so if it is, <laughs> well, they are going to miss him because Sebastian is well a person to be reckoned with. He can play well as a lock, as a blind side, as open uh, uh, open side, or number eight. And he did quite well: uh, six tackles and he missed one, two turnovers, one line out steal. Uh, let me have here something I had this written down. Just uh, no, not this here exactly. Um, 10 uh, carries, so he was massive for, for 
for Germany. At mm. one point, and, and we know that Spain got the bonus point in the end, but I think in the first half, and I think Spain deserved to win by the margin they had, you could see that Germany had have something brewing up. Um, they have two problems. They don't have youth grades at the moment as a national side, so they skipped the under-18 and under-20 Arabian Europe Championships uh, in the men's side, which is Awful in, for my in my opinion because mm. you don't have you don't put your best kids playing against, uh, the opposition you play as a seniors, and they had most of the players who play in the Bundesliga and the Bundesliga is out until March in since from November to March, which is well it's impossible to have game form without games. But you can do the, all the Broncos you want and all the gyms and all the burpees, whatever you want. But you, if you don't have game form, yeah. it won't bode well for you. For example, Belgium. What did the Belgians uh, done with their with the uh, what a type of pause they had going on in Club Rugby? They picked up the national side and they went to England and to France to play against some sides. So the the players that are in Belgium could get, have game time. Develop some skills, uh, get the line out in the scrum going on, etc. And even with those lacking the, in those two departments, Germany still pushed the game against uh, Spain and still pushed the game against Georgia. Um, this weekend they're going to play against the Netherlands. It's going to be a fun game. It's very going to be very 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 fun game. I'm so happy to hear about uh, Seb having a good game. Um, I played with him at, at Hammies. He was uh, played with us for for a season. So <laughs> I mean, keeping an eye on him. But bummed that he's that he's leaving. But yeah, um, that's that's great to hear. Um, pretty a pretty good shift. I won't lie. And I, actually, he actually never played eights. He always played lock uh, with mm-hmm. us. So I didn't know that he was he, he played at eights. But that's uh, that's good going. Yeah, it, <laughs> when I saw the the team uh, uh, announcement. I kind of laugh. I kind of laugh because I know Seb is strong. Se- Se- I-, I played with Seb in San Miguel for one season, and I loved playing with him, not against him. Yeah. So when training, we had to ta- we do free to free to tackle or game uh, opposition. But after a scrum, Seb is not. It's not one a player that you want to pl- to to know to juggle with because he gonna trample you. He hurt. He, he can hurt. Um, I was tackled once by him. It was like <laughs> I flew. I, I remember. I'm not. I'm heavy. I don't know how to do, put my weight in the tackle, but he just came and it was like a tray. I, 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 I never felt that in my life. Well, once against a Fijian, but Fijians are different. Built different. <laughs> but Seb came and it was like, and I, I went to the ground and said, "Oh, you owe me a dinner because he's a chef, as you know. Mm. He did culinary school. He's in culinary university uh, in Nottingham, and well, he he's one of a kind. And I think their objective it's to get well. Germany not going to fight for for relegation. They finished in sixth in two thousand twenty three. So." Only if Poland finish, finish in sixth and they end them in, in eighth could mean that they go they go down. But I'm not seeing that happen at the moment. Yeah. Um, Francisco, how much do you know about um, the lock Cameron Lindsay? Because he also played in South Africa for a long time. I actually mm. know um, 
his family quite pretty well. He was playing in in in, in my class in KwaZulu Natal. And for the South Africans listening, um, I think he was at the Griquas in the Curry Cup final in twenty twenty two. Um, I think he was a starter for for the Griquas, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. so yeah, I'm actually a bit surprised. I'm not too sure. Yeah, I, I knew the family. I don't know if they had German citizenship or, or or whatever. But yeah, do you know anything about him, Francisco? Cameron Lindsay uh, played, I think he was first cap this weekend for Germany. Yes. Wrong because in the first round was Hayan and Hima in the in the pairing locking, and it was Master who came from the bench. So it was Cameron Lindsay's first game. He played in Italy also two se- one season ago. I think, yeah, for mm. Rovigo. I'm seeing here in my notes. So he did quite well, I think. Look, I have here the stats, and I can tell you this is no, no no secret. And let me go to the lineout. So Germany had a total of twenty one lineouts and won seventeen. Mm. So they lost uh, four, but uh, the Spain and Spain won every every single lineout they have. But Spain have been working that very well. They have Mario Pichardi, which is who plays for the uh, in the Bucks division in England. Yeah. And he's a great player, Matthew Folds, uh, also. And I think if you watch the game, you're going to like Germany. You're not going to hate it. It's not as Romania is not an amazing attacking uh, spirited side, but you know they can carry, they can move the ball, they can kick it, they can chase it. And I think their problem is the same as yours. When they have opportunity to score tries, they just misfire. And it's in against Spain, they lose four tries while in the verge of scoring one. Uh congrats to the Spanish in the in the breakdown because incredible going for, going for the jackal. But you can see that they do a lot of work between the mid the, the, the midfield and the tri and the Spanish tri, tri area. And with it, they start losing, you know, stamina, flair, and when they get well five meters short. You can see that something it's not coming uh, coming up, and they lose the, that momentum, and that's a problem for Germany for the future. I know it's impossible to play rugby uh, in Germany between November and, and March because of the of the ice, uh, mm-hmm. snow, uh, everything gets cold and uh, and rocky, and that's why when it comes to men's rugby Europe championship, their teams don't do as well, and they don't have a lot of players playing outside of, of Germany. They have Spassi mm-hmm. in Nottingham in the championship. Uh, they have also, well, I have it here. Give me a bit. Let me just, yeah, exactly. They have also uh, Eric Marx, who played in Van in Pordeda, Michael Hemer in Nacional, and and two guys from the British Army. Mm. <laughs> and Mika Tuminev, who's in Nacional, also for Sarkay and Rier. It's so four players in. In a in a in a thirty man call up, is it's not sufficient and well that was their main problem and it's going to be the main problem. I'm very curious to see against Netherlands. I'm very curious to see because mm-hmm. if they defeat the Dutch, it throws the narrative that the, the Dutch are growing to the bin. <laughs> if the Netherlands have to beat Germany, they have no. Uh, I wrote I write for Review Europe, and I hope people don't get mad with me. But after the, all the promise and all the build up, they are the favorite for this game, and they can't say they aren't mm. because they they have everything working for them. 
but we, you go to see it, uh, you, you watch Germany play, and it's impossible to know, not be inspired for them. Basically, that game against Georgia, I was like shocked. I I was not expecting what I saw. I know a lot of things went there to them. The pitch was not good enough to play. You could see that was bumpy, so heavy for the, for the for a back line like Georgia likes to play with speeds. It's horrible. Uh, but even so, the German the Germans played well against Georgia. You're not expecting that. And let's see what what happens this weekend. Yeah, so there's two big matches I think we could look forward to um, with um, Germany, Netherlands, like you said, um, Portugal and uh, the and 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 Romania also looking um, playing this weekend. I mean, Georgia, Spain also would be I think a pretty big game. Um, I think both, obviously, both teams playing in quite uh, well. Spain's in really good form. Georgia, obviously, building back from that um, loss, and they played really well this weekend. So that's also going to be very exciting. Yeah, I think all the games from this weekend is going to be very exciting. For, for example, if Portugal loses against against Romania, um, they're still in second. So Belgium is must win against Poland. Mm. Uh, if they lose, okay, a draw puts them over the over the finishing line, but they can't lose against Poland. So I think the Polish will be in a better position to make an upset because well. They are already there in last. They can still go in third place, but it's the Belgian who have the pro- all the pressure in in their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, Romania, oh sorry, Sal. No, I was just gonna clarify: is um, relegation based on? It's not just based on this year. It's based also on last year's um, finish yeah, right? Exactly. Okay. So last year it was from last to first: Poland, um, Belgium, Germany, Netherlands, uh, Spain, Romania, Portugal, Georgia. Mm. So Poland needs, well, or needs to be in the so they, uh, the top two going to the gold. I called them the golden semifinals, yeah. and the bottom two of each pool goes to the the let's call it the ranking semifinals. Mm. And Poland needs minimum that Belgium goes to fight with them for the seventh relegation spots. Mm. If Poland finish in eighth and and Belgium in seventh, Poland Poland is relegated. If Belgium finish in eighth and Poland in seventh, in seventh, uh, I don't know. I think it's the point scored in two seasons. But if Belgium finish, let's say in fourth or fifth, and and Poland finish in seventh, it's done. So it's complicated. It's good because everything counts. You can't have a bad season. Um and I'm not going to share uh, any what ha- what will happen to for na- next season because uh, I know the format is going to be the same, but we don't know if the pools are going to be the same. So yeah. no team can't can't take their 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 foot from the pedal because yeah. you might have a well, well very bad surprise come next season. The next season, I think, well, it's it's an, uh, it's already count for the next World Cup, so. It's going to yeah. be massive. Yeah, we'll have to see. Francisco, let's finish up on your player of the weekend. Um, yeah, if there's a few you want to shout out, you're welcome to. But yeah, the, the player that stood out for you in these in the second round of games. Well, I would say it's it's complicated because there were a lot of players that, li- that I really enjoyed 
watching yeah. this weekend. Um, I would say some you had like Portugal. You had you Hugo Camacho scored a hat trick and Pedro which he was truly amazing mm. for, for Portugal. But let me check something in Georgia because well, Luka Matkava didn't have a great game, but again, Merab Sharikadze was astonishing. Mm. Like he he might not have those like a hundred meters one or three tries and two tries or two tries, but he's the glue on the Georgian side. He's like, you cannot not have him in the pitch because mm. without him, you lose leadership. You lose the the guy that sometimes uh, covers as a fly half or fullback, whatever. And for me, it's Sharikaze or Becky Gorgazi because you saw Gorgazi came into the team. He missed the first round because of Sexon Paloas for the top uh, top 14. Mm. And Gorgazi in the team is like massive. The last player I would say is Martiniano Gian in Spain because he's having it just an astonishing season. You have to uh, you have to watch one of the tries. I think it's mm. the last. I think it's the, the, the third try, not the last one. The, the third. Let me let me just because it was ludicrous what he did with the ball. He, well, someone passed him like uh, Crowley's offloads uh, mm. in the face of the contact. And in the first moment, it seemed that the ball was going to bounce out, out of his head, uh, hands. And he starts doing like this juggling <laughs> for like six meters, caught it, offloaded, and it and ended up being a try. Amazing. It was incredible. Yeah. So if I had to pick one from those three, I would say Merab Sherikazi. Mm. And then, if there was, I guess we can also do this a, saf a safa abroad, as we call it, of the week. I guess it's Sebastian Ferreira. No, I would say it's uh, J D Bell. J D Bell. He scored. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, he scored a try. He was immense under the high ball. Uh, he scored the last try against for for Spain. He has been having a massive season and yeah. I cannot not pick him as a staff of the weekend. Yeah. I love Sebastian. Sebastian is amazing and truly great yes. player for Germany. But Bell is insp inspiring. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much, Francisco. And yeah, like you've uh, we've just alluded to, we have a big weekend of um, rec, um, round three games to look forward to as well as we sort out who's going to be in the semifinals and um, the placement matches. Um, as well, big consequences, um, relegations on the line, but also obviously winning the 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 rugby Europe championship is on the line for for teams as well. So looking forward to a big weekend, and we'll hopefully have you next week, or we'll definitely actually have you next week just to talk us through that as well. So thank you so much, Francisco. Thank you, and let's have another great round of men's rugby Europe championship. Fantastic. And you know what, what the drill is um, to all of our rugby bestowed trackers. Um, like and follow us on our social media channels to um, keep up with all the content and what's happening in the rugby world. And please like and subscribe and rate this this podcast as well. Give us some five-star ratings. It's make sure that the gospel of rugby goes even into, yeah, goes to each and every place that we can. Hopefully we can see this being the top podcast in Spain and Portugal and Germany and Poland as well after this weekend. And yeah, we're looking forward to another great um, uh, round of the Rugby Europe Championships next week. So thank you so much. Have a lovely evening.